rockzone.com Now, it's time for Scott Weinberg on the Law, featuring renowned attorney Scott Weinberg, along with guest experts and some of the best attorneys in the country, sharing what you need to know to protect your legal rights. Scott Weinberg on the Law is produced by CBS Radio and TalkZone.com. Now, here's your host, Scott Weinberg. Good morning, America. Wake up. Smell your rights. Burning with the coffee here. Scott Weinberg on the law. We're going to talk about all that's going on in this great city of ours and in the state of Michigan, all around the country. We've got so many different legal cases that we can learn from and talk about here in uh, on CBS Radio. I can tell you one thing is the main thing that I want to say is happy Mother's Day, not only to my own mother and Ben, but to... Uh, to all the mothers around this uh, this great land of ours, my wife actually uh, is, of course, going to be getting her flowers later while we're going to be protecting everybody else's rights. You know, this week, one of the things that happened in, uh, in Detroit, unfortunately, though, is a uh, a case that involves such a it's such a terrible thing being a parent when you lose a child. But when it's a situation where the law allows another child to be charged with murder, that's what we've got going on in Detroit. A jury in Detroit this week convicted a 13-year-old boy of murder that he committed when he was 12 years old. And, I, you know, I don't know if I agree with that statute here in Michigan that allows prosecutors to charge youthful offenders like that, not only as juveniles, but potentially as as uh, adults or even sentenced as adults. And here, uh, DeMarco Harris was found guilty of felony murder. And this really made national news on True TV and Court TV, where I do some work with. And he got convicted of armed robbery, felony firearm, which, of course, is a mandatory two years in prison if he's sentenced as an adult. And earlier in the trial in January, it ended. A, there was one that ended in a hung jury, but then, of course, they... Convicted him, just saying that Harris shot to death a Trisha Babcock who was 24. It's always sad to lose any child, of course, as a parent. Last August, they sat in a parked uh, car. The defendant, who was 12 at the time, was attempting to rob Babcock when he shot her in the chest. Steve Babcock, you know, the news report show him holding a picture of a senior picture of his daughter. And I mean, I, I tell you, on Mother's Day, there's nothing worse than be able to deal with the situation where not only has a child now been killed, but another child's life uh, is going to be taken away, whether it's in the juvenile facility or going to be happening in the uh, in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Kim Worthy uh, was quoted. Of course, we've had Kim Worthy on the show before. She believed that Based on the facts and evidence in the case, the jury, of course, reached the correct result. You know, what's a prosecutor ever going to say? They decided to bring this case. They obviously felt that uh, it should have been charged as an adult. But in this case, the judge really has a decision what to do with it. Uh, the judge has three options at the time of sentencing. It can be sentenced as a juvenile, which means obviously being um, detained in the juvenile uh, detention uh, in, or in placed in the state in the juvenile system, sentenced to prison as an adult, or some type of combination of the two. And usually that's what happens. When you have youthful offenders like that, someone under the age, let's say, of 15, they're going to do some type of combination when it's such a serious crime, a capital crime, a murder, 
a rape, an arson, that it takes a life, you're going to be able to sit there and try to fashion a sentence as a judge that's going to make it possible for him to do things as a juvenile offender. Obviously, you can't put a 13-year-old in Michigan Department of Corrections. Holy gajibas, what that would be like. But then, obviously, if that is a crime that was committed, even when they were so young, a judge can say, yeah, but there's no way we're going to uh, rehabilitate this person and they're going to go into the Michigan Department of Corrections. They don't have to decide that till they're at least 18. But that's a sad case, and that's too bad about the uh, the situation with another child on, quite frankly, someone else's child. But we do have uh, Lawrence Taylor in the news, big Lawrence Taylor. His uh, alleged pimp uh, was charged in the case. Of course, we all know what happened with Lawrence Taylor with the uh, uh, the, the ex-NFL player, uh, the man accused of bringing an underage prostitute to uh, Lawrence Taylor, told her to lie about her age, and the prosecutors alleged in a federal complaint uh, last week on Friday. The complaint says that the alleged pimp, a Mr. Davis, Rashid Davis, told the 16-year-old prostitute to tell the client one, which, of course, was Lawrence Taylor, but they say client one, that she was 19. They say that uh, the former giant linebacker uh, basically was not named by name, but a description of client one, which is ridiculous. I don't know why they do those in indictments. I mean, if you're going to do it, you're going to be able to indict them. You should name them in the sting. I mean, that's really what it was. It was a sting operation. And uh, basically the charging that he had sex with someone under the age of 17. You know, and and we're going to bring... Uh, Ben into this discussion. Ben, I, I tell you, one of the things that I never, ever agreed with, whether it's in the federal uh, sex-related statutes or in a state, it is a strict liability crime where you get someone that is having a sexual relation with someone under the age, whatever that age is in that state. Here in Michigan, it's 16. So under 16, we'll get you 15, basically, is what they say in the state. And in this case, this was under 17 where, uh, in the federal case. But basically it's where you have a mistake of age, even if the kid lies about it. Like in this case, it sounds like with Lawrence Taylor, even if a kid lies about it, Lawrence Taylor or any defendant is liable, is criminally liable for having sexual relations with someone under the age. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Well, I guess. One thing I have to ask you is, do you feel it's okay if that person, lying or not, gives their consent? I think that in Michigan, the law is that there is what's called coercion. So you have force or coercion, and the law brings it to the point of this. If you have someone under the age, and the state is 15, 16, so 15 or younger, and even if they agree, you're with your girlfriend, and you're 18 years old, you're 19 years old, you're an adult, you're over 21, and your girlfriend now is under 16. You know, obviously, if it's over 21, you, you've got other moral issues going on in your brain. You're Woody Allen here. But <laughs> if you are, let's say, you're 18 years old, and you're a senior in high school, and you're dating your your uh, sophomore girlfriend who hasn't turned 16 yet, that is a crime. That is a 15-year felony in the state of Michigan. Unbelievable as it sounds. And the force issue is just that. If he's obviously having a relationship with you, 
there are many prosecutors who say, we're not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. That is ridiculous. There's other prosecutors because they have the discretion of saying, hey, we are going to prosecute that because we want, one, to make a statement we don't want underage sex going on in our schools, and two, it's the law, and we're going to follow the law, and we're strictly going to prosecute these cases. So it really depends on what county and what prosecutor you're talking about, whether or not they interpret the force issue and the coercion under 16 as being basically something they should prosecute in. Right, and I think something that... uh they see it as is endangering a minor either either you know they come in with it's their decision or you know they were forced but that's what it comes down to is the welfare of a minor and if you're 16 i don't think you're gonna know i mean you might know you think you know because love throws blinders on everybody we've all been accused of it well what 16 year old knows exactly that it's illegal to have sex under 16 well I mean, they my don't. kids don't do it because I've been indoctrinating that since they were two years old, but that's beside the point. But, so, I mean, what kid knows that? They don't know. It's not educated in the schools to not have sex under 16, but over when you're 16-year-old, you can. They try to teach them, don't have, se- don't have sex before you're married. I mean, how many kids graduate high school as virgins? I mean, it's just, I hate to talk about it on Mother's Day, my goodness gracious. But I know, great topic, gonna, right? Well, what can I tell you? I mean, if, <laughs> if a mother can't talk to your kid about having sex, I don't know what. In any case, here's a story with Lawrence Taylor. And it, you know what? Here's the, the thing with Lawrence Taylor. He denies he had sex with her anyway. So his situation is, hey, not only is I deny that I knew she was underage, I never even had sex with her. So, you know, we'll follow that along with uh, what's going on with other types of sex-related cases uh, here in on Weinberg and the Law. If you want to join our discussion, it is 248-851-1270 here on CBS. One of the other uh, cases, and, you know, I'm always into dealing with new technology, even though my kids think I'm an idiot about it. Uh, but on Craigslist, I have bought things on Craigslist, but you got to be careful what you buy on Craigslist. And the Craigslist diamond ad lead, led to a deadly home invasion, the police say. Now, this is crazy, I tell you. You always got to be careful of the information you put on Craigslist. Never put your home address, man, on Craigslist. Four suspects charged with first-degree murder in connection with the home invasion that began on an ad on Craigslist in Washington. The three suspects were arrested, and this is what they did. The case began when a guy named James Sanders and his wife posted an ad on Craigslist offering a diamond for sale for about a thousand bucks. Here, I'm going to offer a diamond for ad. Do you think that's going to bring any criminals? Well, only if they give your home address, which, of course, that's exactly what they did, said Pierce County Prosecutor Mark Lindquist. Sanders arranged to meet the prospects, buyers at the ring at the family's home. That's another brilliant idea. And the two showed up, acted like they were looking for a ring, and, of course, they uh, they entered the house, pulled a handgun, and you can guess the rest. They restrained and tied up the 14-year-old kid, and when the father, being a good dad, was trying to protect his kid, of course, these idiot suspects shot and killed him. And, you know, the crazy thing is this. How many people do just that. They put so much information on Facebook. They'll put their names of their kids. They'll put the ages. They'll put their birth dates. You know, born February 1st, 1972, and I live at this address and my kids are this, but I'm protecting my family. 
I got Brink security here. But here, just here's the open door, basically, to find out where I live. And then they post pictures of their of their family, of their kids. It's crazy out there what social media has made people feel comfortable doing, but our risks of being invaded, not just our privacy, our lives, when we will say that we're going on vacation on, on our Facebook page. Well, and here's my address. And, you know, of course, you know, people are going to come over and rob you. It's the stupidest thing. Yeah, I guess it's a little uh, out of sight, out of mind. Well, that's true, right? You yeah. have it on there. You forget it's on your info page. Right. So if you're going to learn one thing on this show today, please be smart. Keep your, if you want to put your birthday on, don't put your, your year you were born. Don't put the names of your kids on. Don't put your dates of your birthdays kids. Don't put the word where they go to high school. If they're kids, don't put where you go to high school because I'm telling you, there are cases rampant, just like this Craigslist case, rampant all over this country that people don't protect their rights of privacy because they think it's fun to share information. Not only does not anybody care other than criminals, uh, it's it's stupid to take risks on other people in your family's lives. So it's not just your own. I don't think they see it as taking a risk, though. Really? Wait till they come in your garage well, and take out your golf clubs like they did my <laughs> last year. You'll well, see how they... I'm going to go and take your golf clubs, let me tell you. Well, mine are in a safe location. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look at your Facebook page and see exactly where they are. Maybe I should take my phone number out of there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I don't have that up there. Join the discussion. Call us at uh, 248-851-1270. One of the the crazy things that are happening here in Clinton Township involves uh, another assault case. And this is really, the reason I bring it up is because not only is it coming up this week, but it's involving bioterrorism. And it's in the news today. It's in the Detroit News. HIV positive Clinton Township biter and assaulter faces charges of bioterrorism. And what it really is, it's calling into question new laws. You know, we talk about social media. We talk about Facebook and how technology changes our lives, but we still have issues of what are our, our deeply held beliefs about prejudice towards diseases. So we get in a situation where we have technology here that people are trying to understand, but we still don't understand how something is now long-term in our memory is HIV, how we're prejudiced against people and dealing with those diseases. We can't, we, we can accept new technology, but we can't get away from our old prejudice. And what happened was the prosecutors allege that a, someone who supposedly was, um, uh, positive for HIV, a Clinton Township man, got into a fight, bit someone, and because he later claimed or, or showed that he was HIV positive, they're claiming that not only was that an assault with a dangerous weapon, which are which basically is a four-year felony, but it can be enhanced um, to make it higher, but also because he was uh Infected with HIV, he becomes a bio, he becomes a bio terrorist. As crazy as that sounds. And so what the ACLU is doing, and of course, any type of, um, criminal defense would want to show is we, one, simply because you are infected with that doesn't mean that you're contagious. 
simply by biting someone, and two, what the prosecutors are doing because they couldn't get him, quote, with a assault with a dangerous weapon charge, add in a statute that they brought in basically in 1998, protecting people all the way from Oklahoma City bombing for bioterrorists to try and get a jury to convict him on something. So they've got friend-of-the-court briefs, that are being filed, and they're supposed to have hearings on Monday. But the thing that really struck me about it is that there are cases in this in this uh, state that actually have confirmed convictions for HIV-positive people, spitting blood at people, um, basically doing things that would otherwise be considered a assault or brutal attack. And I'm not saying that if you're infected with some disease, and you know it, and it's a contagious disease, hepatitis, whatever it is, and it is contagious. And there are there are um, diseases that should be used as uh, that should be considered attacks if you use them. But if someone is infected with someone and gets into a fight, and simply because that person is infected, it does not mean that they use that infection as the deadly assault and or, or as a as, as an assault with a dangerous weapon and i just i don't agree with this type of uh, prosecution i always agree with the prosecutor but here i think they're just they're making a big mistake well you usually see in sports you know especially in boxing if you have aids you can't fight because if you were to get cut you know you might infect your opponent yeah, but you know they have it even in basketball too, right? Someone's bleeding. You see that, right? All of the Pistons or someone's bleeding, oh, yeah. and they stop the game, right? You got to wipe everybody up. Mm-hmm. Like somehow you're going to be infected because that guy was bleeding. The question is, the question is, do you believe that you can be infected like that? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think science has proven that you could be. It depends on the type of contact, but no, simply because someone is just bleeding and. Yeah, you have nothing going on with you. It doesn't mean you're going to be infected. But I do believe, I go back, I do believe that I think it's safe to stop a game if someone is bleeding and to clean it up because you don't want to take that risk. But do people, you know, people are so prejudiced about this. They feel that if you're sweating and if you're HIV positive, like playing, remember what uh, Michael, uh, with um, Magic, Johnson. Magic Johnson, right? Right. People are afraid to play with him because they figured that, oh, because he's admitted that he's HIV positive, that he's going to be sweating or somehow infecting the rest of the basketball teams. Right. But my, I guess what I was getting at, if, you know, if you're getting into a, a violent action like fighting or biting like the story, uh, uh, you mentioned if you break skin and that saliva m- comes in contact with your blood, you could get infected. Well, they say that actually that isn't medically proven. So That's not proven. That is the, what they say. Now, you know, I'm not a doctor. But, but I talk about the, in terms of the law of it. Right. And my issue about it is not is it medically possible to do it. It's should we be using that type of, quote, um, deadly disease or potentially deadly disease as a reason to prosecute someone criminally. And in 1998, the law was written actually by Democrat, thank you very much, Gary Peters, now a congressman, he's our congressman, while he served as a state senator. Peters said that he was concerned that the Michigan law, which at the time was not very clear, did not provide local law enforcement with the proper tools to add a terrorist threat involving biological or chemical weapons. So it really was designed by Gary Peters to say, hey, listen, we don't have enough tools by the prosecutor to be able to combat any type of bioterrorism 
I really don't think he was talking about someone infected with HIV to get in a fight with his neighbor. However, that is how prosecutors are using this law. Yeah, and with bioterrorism, probably you are taking it the extra step that it maybe doesn't need to go. But I could see it like, you know, almost, you know, assault with a deadly weapon, couldn't you? You can see that if the guy knew, like if he's in fact, with the hepatitis that might be contagious or, you know, something that is uh, a, 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 a contagious disease that he knows he's infected, that he can get, um, he can transmit and he intentionally does it. Of course you can do that. You know, it is an assault, as stupid as it sounds. Right. You can go up and spit on someone, and that the spitting itself is an assault. Right. If you know that somehow that spitting, your saliva, is going to to infect someone, then that's what they're saying, is that that can be considered assault with a dangerous weapon. A dangerous weapon is, there's two different kinds. One is a per se weapon, a knife, a gun, something that you would assume that someone would know would be dangerous. The other, it can be your shoe. It can be this bagel, if it's hard enough, which it feels like right now, to throw at your head because it can be considered a weapon. So a per se weapon, they're saying, could be this, quote, biting or this this infection in his body if he knew that that's what would happen. Well, I think, couldn't you say it's common knowledge that AIDS is a deadly virus? Yes or no? Definitely it can be a, com- it can be a deadly virus. Right, but do you think it's common knowledge that it is, yes or no? Yes. Okay, so if... I have, say I have AIDS, and I bite you, but you, and you know I have AIDS. Mm-hmm. I mean... So you're saying that yeah. if I have AIDS, or if I am, I have an infectious disease, whether I intend to use it against you or not, the mere fact of me biting you means I should be charged with the, the dangerous weapon, the assault with the dangerous weapon. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, because you should have better judgment, because you know that you can... In fact, especially if you're fighting, right? Because I mean, say you know, say before the biting happened, if there was a cut over someone's skin and they both had an open cut, then you know the blood could get mixed up. You, you never know. Well, and that is exactly what the prosecutors are saying. They're not saying that this guy intentionally tried to transmit it, but because he knew he was infected and later admitted that he knew he was infected and tr- and had an assault. And, of course, he's not even saying he bit the guy, uh, but had the prosecutor saying he had an assault, that alone, generally, is the assault of the dangerous weapon. We're going to talk more about this and some of the other news in the uh, in the local and around this country involving your laws. If you want to join us, call us at 248-851-1270. This is Scott Weinberg on the law. Have you or a loved one been arrested or charged with a crime? Do you want to stay out of jail and try to keep your record clean? Then you need the attorneys from Weinberg Law at 1-800-7100-LAW. And if you call right now, they can qualify you for a payment plan designed just for you. That's right, an affordable top criminal law firm. Call 1-800-7100-LAW. Stay out of jail, keep your record clean, and qualify for payment plans. Call now, 1-800-710-0529. That's 1-800-7100-LAW.